And good evening. Welcome. This is Doug Taylor. Welcome to the Noahide Nations class on Proverbs. It is Sunday, May 16th. Uh, and we are starting with Proverbs chapter 13, verse 14, which reads, The teaching of the wise is the source of life to turn away from the trap of death. The teaching of the wise is the source of life to turn away from the trap of death. And as we do in uh, these classes, the first thing we want to ask is, what are the questions that come up when we read this verse that we would need to answer in order to understand what the verse is trying to teach us? And in this case, I'll raise two questions. First of all, what's the teaching of the wise? And the second is, what's the trap of death? Uh, it's a pretty strong, strong sense. Um, and Rabbi Moskowitz, uh, when he taught this verse, indicated that the teaching of the wise is the wisdom of Torah. And that's the wisdom that we learn by studying Torah, by studying the book of Proverbs, uh, and learning about a life of thought and uh, of learning to anticipate consequences. And what he is suggesting, or what he indicated, is that the trap of death means consequences. So the verse is telling us that the teaching of the wise, the wisdom that uh, the wise learn, is a source of life to turn you away from consequences. That would be negative consequences. So Rabbi Moskowitz pointed this out. He said, there are two philosophies. One is that you can go after the positive in life, and the other is that you remove the negative. And the basis of the source of all life is to remove the negative rather than to work on the positive. And that's the philosophy of this book. So the teaching of the wise is the source of life. And you spend more time in your life removing negative consequences than going after the pleasures. Now, we would naturally ask, well, why is that? I mean, why not just focus on getting the pleasures, getting the stuff you want? Who, who wants to worry about, you know, uh, on the negative? And the reason he gives is because the negatives in your personality and in your thinking process are what will cause you to make mistakes. And that keeps you from getting to the real pleasures in life. That's why the verse doesn't say at the end, you know, the teaching of the wise is the source of life in order to enjoy a life of good. It says the teaching of the wise is the source of life to turn away from the trap of death. In other words, King Solomon is saying that the essence of life is the removal of bad consequences. And all of the good things in life are a result of that. For example, if you were able to remove all of your negative emotions, you'd live a happy life. And if you were able to remove all negative consequences, you'd have a good life. So the verse is focused on making sure that we understand consequences, and what that does is it gets you away from that negative trap of death, which can ultimately lead to, you know, negative consequences, harm to yourself physically, harm to your soul, harm to your psyche, and ultimately 
uh, your death if you uh, if you're not careful that that the verse is focused on getting you away from those bad consequences helping you to understand where they come from and then helping you to remove them from your life so that you can have a good life now the verse isn't against pleasure but that's not the point of what we're striving for here what we're striving for is to remove our negative consequences and emotions and that's what we're going after in our study of the book of Proverbs is to get the negative consequences and emotions uh, out of our lives so that we can then have the good otherwise if we go directly after things that we think are good we still have these negative forces uh, operating in our lives, negative, negative emotions pulling at us, and that can cause us to make mistakes and stumble and fall. And so we want to make sure that we get those negative consequences identified and then do the work necessary to get them out of, their, out of our lives. Okay. Any questions about that? And Evie, you said uh, your version refers to uh, the allurement of women. Let me check my art scroll version here. Uh, 1313. I'm not seeing that. Whoops, I'm sorry. 1314. Um, I mean, art scroll translates as teaching of a wise man as a source of life to turn him away from the snares of death. And let me check one other translation. Actually, I've got two more we can take a look at. Um, 13, 14, I see the instructions of a wise man as a spring of life to turn away from the snares of death. That's uh, Judaica Press. And uh, Malbum says the teaching of the wise is a wellspring of life to turn away from the snares of death. So I'm not sure what translation uh, you have that's referring to the allurement of women. Uh, but uh, verse 14 of chapter 13 uh, is, is talking about the, uh, the teaching of the wise. Okay, and you've written intuitions too. I'm not sure what that means. Can you elaborate just a little bit on that? Okay, so you're saying if you have wrong intuitions. Well, intuition is a slightly different thing. Um, my understanding of intuition is uh, those things that are uh, ideas and suggestions that are springing out of what we might call a prepared mind. So uh, if a scientist, for example, works for 10 years in the area of physics, and he's working on a physics problem, and after 10 years of you know, experience and working on problems and research and so forth, he's working on this one problem, and he has an intuitive idea that maybe he should try this in his experiment, some methodology and he does and it turns out that it works um, that's one thing because his mind has been steeped uh, in that whole area and so uh, his subconscious mind could be working on these various problems and you know kicking things around 
and then when he sees a particular problem, a lot of different things in his mind uh, suddenly come to bear on that problem. That's, that's intuition uh, in the sense that I know it. It doesn't mean you should absolutely rely on it, but it's certainly something that if you're uh, schooled in an area that you at least ought to notice and, and pay some attention to uh, in the sense of investigating it further. On the other hand, if I knew absolutely nothing about nuclear physics uh, and I was faced with the situation of having to deal with a nuclear physics problem, I would not trust that my I would have any intuition about that at all because I have no uh, in, uh, no training in that. Uh, so intuition is one of those things where, uh, yes, I think there's something going on there, but we would want to test that out and see exactly what it is, and then uh, make sure before we, you know, dove in with both feet, so to speak, uh, on a particular issue. Okay, you said verse 16 refers to forethought, right? We haven't gotten to verse 16 yet, but we still may tonight. Um, and you said, does this refer to the wise man? Um, well, the teaching of the wise, the wise person who really immerses himself in Torah uh, and the world of ideas and the world of consequences and analyzing things, uh, after a while those ideas become real to him and it changes his or her thinking. Uh, and the way they look at life and situations. And so they may have uh, a sense of a particular situation based on years of studying situations and looking at people and uh, that type of thing uh, in order to, uh, to be able to analyze them. They may have an immediate sense about a situation or an intuitive sense, but it's based on those years of study. So yes, I think a wise person, a wise man can have uh, that kind of intuition. Okay, any questions on this verse? Hopefully that idea is clear. Okay, good. Thank you. So let's move on to verse 15. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says, Good sense causes grace, but the way of the traitors is harsh. Good sense causes grace, but the way of the traitors is harsh. So here's an example of the kind of questions that we might ask around this verse. Because the tendency sometimes is to want to rush to interpretation. And before we interpret, one of the key lessons that I've learned in, in my years of study with the rabbis is we have to learn to ask questions and ask lots of questions, lots of different kinds of questions, lots of uh, varieties of questions in order to be able to understand something. Because at the end of the day, to be able to say, well, I really understand this verse, what that means is I have asked every possible question around that verse and have an answer for it. So then I can say, I truly understand the verse. So in this case, some of the questions that I might ask are, first of all, what is grace? I mean, it says good sense causes grace. Well, what's grace? 
What does that mean? I mean, that's a word we use, but what's the definition here? And what is King Solomon uh, trying to, uh, to get across in that? And you said, uh, you mentioned that you heard a, a, a man that grace is not in his vocabulary. Um, and that uh, that was more of a, a Christian vocabulary type of thing. Well, it, in this particular verse, uh, that appears to be uh, a, a word that's, that's come up. So we have, to, we have to figure out what that means in this context. Okay. And, and it also says good sense causes grace. Well, what's good sense? I mean, we talk about that all the time, but what, what is that really? Um, what's the way of the traitor? It says the way of the traitors is harsh. Well, what's the way of the traitor? I mean, what does King Solomon mean there? I mean, it could be talking about a multitude of different things. And why is it harsh? So those are the kinds of questions we would want to at least get on the table so that we know how to start looking at uh, the verse and how to you know, answer it and, uh, and make it work or uh, get some understanding about it. So let's start about, about grace. Uh, what, what's grace in this context? And Rabbi Moskowitz said that there are different reasons why you are drawn to a person. Sometimes a person gives you a certain pleasure, or a person removes some guilt that you have, they do something for you, uh, you know, we may be drawn uh, for lots of things, but it's a very rare person where we're drawn to them by their personality. And Rabbi Moskowitz says, that's grace. Uh, it's the kind of person where you are drawn to them because of their personality. And it means, by good sense in the first part, it means the person makes correct decisions. And people are drawn to him by that. In other words, a person who thinks through things wisely, and, and you can see that, you watch his decision process, and people ask him a question, and he says, well, you know, I would look at it this way, and you kind of say, wow, you know, look at that thinking process he has. He's really thought this through very well. And he comes up with a, a, a correct um, decision on that. People are drawn to that. And so that's what Rabbi Moskowitz is suggesting that King Solomon is saying when he says good sense causes grace. It causes that kind of a personality that people are drawn to. Okay. Then the second half refers to a traitor. And a traitor is kind of the opposite. He is constantly doing wrong or evil things. And when a person does that, then his mind isn't really free to operate. Uh, even if you're an intelligent person, you, you can't win over someone who's necessarily operating the, this way. This is the direct opposite of the person who's operating with good sense. Uh, so, I mean, this person is operating on the basis of wrong ideas, uh, emotions which are steering them in the wrong direction. And so, what happens is the person's life is harsh to him. And it's also harsh to others. It's harsh to him because he has terrible conflicts. I mean, his emotions are not in line with reality. 
And so he is going to inevitably bump up against um, reality, and he's going to be in conflict because he wants reality to turn out one way, and reality isn't turning out that way. Uh, so he has terrible conflicts, and he has to constantly work to ignore reality. And also, because he's not operating in reality, he's going to have conflicts with other people. So, this verse is showing us a different set of consequences for the life of good sense versus a life of evil. On the one side, uh, when, you, when you live a life of good sense, people are drawn to you because of your good decision-making. While the life of the one who does wrong or evil things, that brings upon himself a life that is harsh. Okay, any questions on that verse? And you said your translation uh, looks like says the uh, uh, the way of the faithless. Uh, yeah, I think in I mean depending on which way the words are translated, and sometimes different uh, commentators take a different approach on it, uh, but. My understanding is we're getting at someone who is not operating in accordance with the true world of ideas, but is operating um, on the basis of a wrong or evil approach to life. Okay. Any questions on that one? Okay. Let's move on to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16. Verse 16 reads, Every clever person acts with knowledge, but a fool broadcasts his stupidity. Every clever person acts with knowledge, but a fool broadcasts his stupidity. So, as we think about that verse, what questions might we ask about it? So let me suggest a couple. First of all, how would we define a clever person? Uh, I mean, it says every clever person, and it's, it's interesting that King Solomon uses that particular uh, uh, set of words. So what does he mean by a clever person, and how does a fool broadcast his stupidity? How does that actually work? And then, what... We'd like to understand too is how do the two halves of the verse compare? Because generally speaking, uh, most of the verses in this part of the book of Mishlei are a comparison of um, the wise versus the fool, or uh, the righteous versus the evil person, uh, or something like that. There's a contrast between the first half and the second half of the verse, and most of the verses are set up that way. So we could ask ourselves, how do the two halves of this verse compare with each other? I mean, one talks about every clever person acts with knowledge, but then the second half says a fool broadcasts his stupidity. So let's start with the second half. And Rabbi Moskowitz suggested that the fool broadcasts his, his foolishness in, in two ways. Number one, he acts it out, presumably does something really foolish, or two, he, he broadcasts it. He makes it very clear 
uh, you know, in his words that he is a stupid or a foolish person. Um, now, by contrast, uh, there's a story about the Vilna Gaon, uh, one of the great sages, who would go over everything he learned during the year from Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He thought everything through. And Rabbi Moskowitz commented that that's very clever. Um, because he developed a system, you know, and a process for reviewing what he learned. Uh, he said, the Rabbi Moskowitz said, the difference between a clever person and us is that we don't think and we just make decisions based on our emotions. A tzaddik, a righteous person, he bases his decisions almost always on the intellect. And occasionally the emotions will sneak in. So, in this case, clever seems to be a way that you work out how to do what is wise and intelligent in such a way that it thwarts or works around your emotions. So the clever person figures out how the emotions can affect him, and he devises a plan to get to the good despite those emotions. So he's very clever in dealing with his own self, because he sees that his emotions can pull him away, and so he devises a plan to uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. And he figures out a way to get around his emotions uh, and get the good that he's after. So here, the verse seems to be contrasting the clever person with the fool. The clever person acts with knowledge, while the fool not only acts stupidly, but he broadcasts it as well. And how does, why does he broadcast it? Well, he broadcasts it through either his stupid actions or he just comes right out and says stuff that uh, people will see is foolish because he's not thinking through the implications of what he says. He's not thinking through how it will be viewed. And so he just, uh, as we, I think, touched on in some other verses, he just blurts out what's on his mind. And people can tell pretty fast, this guy is pretty pretty foolish. I mean, look at the things that he's saying. So, we've got the clever person who figures out a way to get around his emotions uh, and get, make sure that he uh, is able to uh, operate on the basis of knowledge, contrasted with a fool who, by his actions and by his words, uh, makes it very clear that he is uh, foolish and stupid. Okay, any questions on that verse? Okay, good. Eva, are you able to follow okay what we're, what we're doing? Good, all right. Let's move on then to chapter 13 and verse 17. And verse 17 says, a wicked messenger will fall in harm, but a trustworthy messenger heals. A wicked messenger will fall in harm, but a trustworthy messenger heals. Okay, any idea about some questions that that verse 
raises in your mind. So here are some possibilities. First of all, I'd want to know, well, what's a wicked messenger? And why will a wicked messenger fall in harm? I mean, how does that exactly work? And then, what's a trustworthy messenger? And how is it that a trustworthy messenger heals? And importantly, what does one half of the verse have to do with the second half? Because the first half talks about what happens to a wicked messenger. He falls in harm. But the second half talks about what a trustworthy messenger does. That is, he heals. So what's the comparison between one or the other? You would think it would say something like, a wicked messenger will fall in harm, but a trustworthy messenger won't. Or, a wicked messenger will fall in harm, but a trustworthy messenger will rise up. Or something where it seems like there would be a contrast. Okay, and you have messenger and ambassador. What's the difference? Uh, I think, let me just check the uh, uh, translations. We are in 17. Um, in this case, I'm not aware that there is a difference. Uh, in the way that Rabbi Moskowitz, um, uh, I think, translated this one, I don't think we discerned a difference between uh, one and the other. And I noticed that that um, one talks about a wicked messenger, one translation I have refers to wicked messenger, and then faithful emissary uh, brings healing. If there could be an intent on, uh, on the part of King Solomon to get across something but, uh, unique or a, a unique piece of information by the fact that he used one word in the first half and one word in the second half. In this case, I'm not sure what that would be. Uh, I took a slightly different road um, in, uh, in looking at this verse. And what I'd like to suggest is that a wicked messenger is one who will purposely either not deliver his message or will purposely deliver the wrong message or will not act properly when something goes wrong. Um, and because they're wicked, they won't know how to analyze the situation properly, and they'll make a bad decision when things aren't going right. So, a wicked messenger will fall in harm because of the consequences of these three things. If he purposely doesn't deliver his message, he'll be fired by his employer. And if he delivers the wrong message, he'll be fired by his employer. So, not only will he lose his job, but he'll have started to earn a reputation for wickedness, which could mean that other people don't, won't want to work with him or hire him. Um, so he will fall in harm. That is, he'll fail in a way that is ultimately harmful to him. By contrast, a trustworthy messenger heals. Who does he heal? the one who sends him. So, think about this. You send a messenger off to deliver a message, but then you kind of scratch your head after he leaves and say, well, but is he going to do it? Will he make the delivery on time? Will he, will he get that contract over to the other guy 
before the deadline or whatever it happens to be? Well, if you know you have a trustworthy messenger, then you know he'll do what he was told to do, and your stress is eliminated. So you're healed of the stress that comes from having to delegate to others because you know the messenger is trustworthy. And you know that if something goes wrong, um, okay, and I think this was Rabbi Moskowitz's approach, if something goes wrong, the messenger can be counted on to think clearly and analyze the situation rationally and make the best possible decision on your behalf. So the verse seems to be teaching us that when we choose someone to do something for us, we need to make sure that we choose someone trustworthy and not someone who is wicked. Okay? Any questions on this verse? Then we'll stop here for the evening. Thank you very much for joining, and we hope you can join us next week.